0: Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at
1: www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, and welcome to the Become Fire podcast. Uh, I am your temporary host, Anthony Mazza. Yay! Um, (laughs) And I am joined by... Father Anthony Tinker, Who yes. You guys are You guys are very familiar with Father. Um, and just as a reminder, what we're doing uh, during this series is we're going through a book called Sexual Identity. It's a series of essays curated by Dr. John Finley. And the first essay is actually written by Dr. Finley. Um, first essay is called What Men and Women Mean to Us, a Philosophical Articulation. So the goal here, he it says it's a philosophical articulation. And I think that's where I want to start, Father. What does that mean to you a philosophical? Cause sometimes people hear philosophy and they're like, Oh, it's highfalutin or it's uh, just people's opinions. What does he mean by philosophy? Well, good question. So I'm just going to say what he says, <laughs> uh, but he says, um,
0: he's, he's not relying on religious doctrine or scientific studies. He is wants to think about what men and women are. Right, so philosophy, philosophy, love of wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, we're studying wisdom. We're, we're looking into wisdom. And he wants us to basically say, um, like, what does it mean, the category of man and the category of a woman? And mm-hmm. this is so important because if we don't have, and we talked about this last time when kind of our introduction, like, they went on to that um, uh, rally for women. And mm-hmm. he, he goes around and interviews, and he's a, this guy says, well, what does it mean to be a woman? And everybody gave, like, they didn't have answers. Like, a woman's whatever you want it to be. And he's like, okay, well, philosophically speaking, like, if we don't know what man and woman are, if we can't get to the role of male and female, right? And I know these are two different words, but, and this is the problem, I think people are trying to separate man and male and Mm. woman and female. And I think philosophically, he's like, well, can we do that? Is this, like, actually possible for us to separate the term man from male, Mm. and the term woman from female. Because if we don't have these basic definitions, and that's what philosophy does, it gets down to the basics. It's like, I'm not, we're not trying to prove things on science, not to, we're trying to use divine revelation. We're just saying, what can we know by our reason? And by our reason, is it reasonable as, as what society's telling us that basically you can define your own gender? Or is this not reasonable
1: philosophically is mm. what he's trying to get into. What can our reason determine? Nice. And what, what if someone... Um is sort of skeptical about this and like, well, isn't this a scientific question first and foremost? What, what, what would you say in response? I would say that's why you need to
0: listen to us for the five or how I I many five or six episodes we're going through. Because we're going to walk through each of these aspects—philosophical, psychological, medical, biological, theological—we're going to go through each of these aspects. Or what? Because here's the question: male and female, man and woman. What does it mean in our society? What should it mean? What? What can we determine about these things? And why is this question so important? You know, and to listen to our last episode to get really into <laughs> why it's so important for us today as Catholics. You're like, I oh, know. i like, okay, why is it so important? I know male, female. It's not that big of a deal. It's like, well, society is really arguing against that and so we need to determine as a philosopher says like philosophically are we allowed to can we reasonably say you can determine your identity can you be transgender can you can should parents encourage their children to to look into their identity issues or not mm-hmm. or, or you know boys that boys dress as girls and girls dress as boys etc so this is why when it's so important and two this is why like if you ask like well there's a biological question like well we are going to get into that mm-hmm. but two we want to look at it from every angle yeah. So looking at it philosophically, it's like, well, is it reasonable? Is this even a reasonable discussion from the very beginning or is it t- totally irrational? Right. Yeah. And science can't give us every answer. Right. No, no. That, that's, this is the problem with science. Science, you know, it, it, it can't. It, it, one, it doesn't set goals. He says this, you know, in chapter one, he's like, they don't set goals. Science is not telling me that my goal is happiness. <laughs> happiness is already my goal. Right. So science doesn't give us technology doesn't give us goals. They help mm-hmm. us as our means to achieve our goals. And then, number two, like that science is about facts, not about truth. Sure. And those are two different things facts and truth are different things. So, it, it even says um, the notion that truth equals what science can establish is a premise that science itself cannot demonstrate. Yeah. Because it's not looking for like, truth. And what do we mean by truth? We mean, um, you know, the problem of evil, like mm. why do bad things happen to good people? Right. That That's a philosophical question. You know, um, what, what is it? Uh, what should I do to be happy? Science can't prove, like, I can't prove to you. Here's the things you should do to be happy. Maybe you can look at your neurons and, and, you know, look at the, bio, the, the, <laughs> the brain and say, well, these things give you pleasure, but that's not happiness. Pleasure and happiness are very different things. That's a whole mm. different discussion. But so he's saying science can't prove everything because he can't. It's not. It can't prove true every truth, right? It's not always scientifically established or can be established because the scientific method can't prove a lot of things,
1: right? Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think there's a there is a confusion that this, based on all the misconceptions flying our way and all the objections to a philosophical or even a, a Christian view of the difference of sexes, tend to hinge on some scientific uh, evidence or some apparent evidence. Uh, and so I think, I think it's easy to get caught up thinking like you need to have answers based on your understanding of like X, Y chromosomes. Um, when really that's not the case. Yeah. And we'll get into that. Yeah.
0: Now, even if you have those questions, <laughs> we will answer them at the next uh, podcast. So stay tuned. Cause we're going to get into biology. That's the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, even though you don't know all the biology, like these are just fundamental rational questions that we can reason to, is this is it reasonable? Is it reasonable? And it, what is truth in this matter? Is what does it mean to be male? What does it mean to be female? Actually, it's something deeper than simply what my biology is. And so, and he would, he's going to argue this. We're talking about this. Like getting a sex change does not change you being male. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I got a sex change to you know do get rid of my my uh, my male organism and to get or my my um, you know get, put breasts on and you know do all those different things you can do. I'd still be male. Like it's, it's at the root of who I am and not just because the biology, the externals don't actually affect that. And we know that biologically because of ourselves, but also just philosophically what it means to be a man. Like I can never, I'm just jumping ahead, but I can never Mm -hmm. produce children. I do Mm -hmm. not have the ability, right. To bear a child in my womb. And even if science could one day put a uterus inside of me (laughs) so that somehow I can bear a children, it doesn't make me a woman it doesn't make me female at the root of who I am philosophically. That's just altering, you know, because it's not, this is not based on feeling That's what we're going to get to in the rational aspect. It's not who I am is not based on who I, what I feel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not, and he talks about this. We got all, all in up in arms. I forget her name. We can, we'll talk about her later. Again, I'm just jumping around, but the, Oh yeah. Rachel, Rachel Dolezal. She's that white woman who was basically pretending to be black and uh, and was in charge of some like black group up in the north northwest, and she's like, well, I I just identify as black.
1: Yeah, big no no. And everybody's like, no, you can't do
0: that. And, and and he's like, yeah, you can't do that. That's reasonable to say I can't identify as a black woman though I'm a white woman. And he's like, and even more fundamental to who we are is our male than <laughs> our female. Not and and that's like that's just your race. Like that's not as fundamental to you as male and female. Mm-hmm. And and so you can't even though you identify
1: it, it doesn't make you that. And that's what we say, who we are is not our feelings. Right. Amen. Um, All right, so let's get into it. Uh, He starts, as any good philosopher does, uh, with definitions. Um, And he, he acknowledges they seem basic, but maybe I'm just dim. I thought they were one of my favorite parts of this chapter, just getting a clear definition for he defines man and woman. Then he defines humanness, like what it means to be human. And then he defines female and male and there's kind of a sequence here so father do you want to get into that or read those or
0: yeah let's start so a woman is a female human and a male is a male human a man is a male human thank you so much (laughs) a woman is a female human and a man is a male human i was i was jumping to my point and he's connecting woman and female and man and male Right, and that's a philosophical definition. We need to do that because there's the, if you divorce man from male and woman from female, then you can, do, you can kind of start to play with what does it mean to be man, what does it mean to be a woman? And he's saying, well, no, a fundamental part of being man is male, and <laughs> a fundamental part of being female is woman. And we just have to start there. Yep. And second is that humanness means animal life that is characterized by thought, deliberate love, and relations with others. So it's, he's connecting, like, to be human. What does it mean to be human? Right, mm-hmm. that we're animals, you know, but we're more than animals, we're characterized by our thought. We can think, we yep. have rationality, and dogs don't. We have deliberate love, it's not just for the sake of, you know, procreation or more treats or, or yeah, more <laughs> treats. We have deliberate and then relations with others. We're, in, we're inter- interrelational people. And then he goes on his third definition a female is an organism that can produce offspring from within herself through receiving from a male in sexual intercourse. A male is an organism that can produce offspring outside of himself through giving to a female in that same activity. And so, so what is he talked about? A woman is female, but what is female? It's this organism that can produce offspring from within herself, but Mm -hmm. she has to receive something. She doesn't have the ability to simply produce an offspring by herself. She needs male to give to her so that she can produce. And so what does it mean to be male? It's the one who can produce outside himself. He has to give of himself to the female in order that she can produce offspring. So there's this gift of self inherent
1: to what it means to be male and to be female. Mm-hmm. I love it. And he starts to get into that. Um, but he, he calls these definitions foundations from which we jump off um, and start to like, what are the implications if a woman is a, an organism that can produce offspring from within herself that belongs to the human species and, um, through through, a, through a participating with a man in a sexual act. Like if that's what a woman is, what does that mean then for how we speak about men and women? Um, and where does he go first? He says there's... Well, I mean, he says, okay, we've got all these different things. I'm, we have different bone structures and
0: heights and eyes and skin color and vocal tones and personality and family of origin and talents and interests. And there's all these things we could talk about physically or emotionally that are part of who we are. And he says, but none have a are more distinctive to who I am than male and female. Mm-hmm. It's, this, it's this almost like primordial distinction. We'd say, yeah, because of Genesis, you know, we'll get, we'll get that <laughs> but this, this, this distinction of who we are, like two people with two different eye colors or temperament, you know, it, they could have the same organs and organ systems. You know, they still have livers and everything else. Like there's something about um, the eye color that, that doesn't, you and I have different eye colors, you know, and you can have the same eye color as a woman. And there's something that's more similar between you and I as men than you and her as male and female because eye color is, is something that's not as integral to who you are. Yeah. So you're just gonna say biologically from, from a rational point of view, I'm just, I, I'm just rationally thinking, what distinct, what's the most like distinct thing of who we are as human? Well, the fact that we're male connects us at a deeper level than the fact that you have the same eye color as a woman
1: or nice. whatever, same height, same weight, same whatever. Yeah, that seems undeniably true. Um, and the next thing, so then he goes into personal, I kind of like this, um, the other, it's like another sign that these things are so, uh, they have primacy, they're first, and like how we should consider ourselves is that there's personal evidence, which he goes into saying that it's just what, we, what you want to know about someone, like kind of first and foremost. Yeah, it's, it, it uses this analogy. Like, if,
0: if you're talking about someone you met at work, oh, I met this person at work, you know, name's Ray, and, uh, you know, just da 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 da. And I guess the way he spells it, like, it's R E H, like, you don't know if it's a man or a woman. Like, it's like, and so your, your first question you just going through this dialogue is like, well, this new coworker, like, is it a man or a woman? And he's like, the fact that you think that and you're talking about your coworker, like, okay, is this a man or a woman? Like, unless it's like in traction, I just assume it's a man or a woman. Like, if it's just like, I don't know who, I just am working with someone, they're in my office, I really like them, I'm a good friend with them, you're like, okay, well...
1: Who is it? And the first thing you want to know is, is <laughs> yeah. it a man or a woman? Yeah. Because that's the most fundamental part of who we are. It's very personal. And it has it has, it has the greatest implications on what this relationship means for you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. If it's a man, and if you're a
0: man, it's a man, it's like, we're going to go have a beer and watch football. If it's a woman and you're not dating or you're like, you're interested, it's like, oh, <laughs> like, are you going to start dating or interested in marriage? Like, your, your question as a friend to this person as to this relationship and friendship is – it, the color of it is changed <laughs> completely depending on is she pretty you know
1: exactly <laughs> if yeah. it's a
0: man like you don't even care like if he's 100 pounds or 500 pounds like it doesn't really matter you know? <laughs> if it's a woman it's like are you are you physically attracted is this going to be to the relationship because this is the fundamental part of this is our question you know it's, it's just rational beings
1: mm-hmm. yeah right, and then the and then the next way is historical meaning humans we just wouldn't we couldn't continue as a species without yes. the man woman difference. <laughs> Whereas all the blue eyed people could disappear, and it would be it would be okay. We would continue as a species. Yeah. <laughs> all right, um, red hairs
0: my redheads are going to be gone. Is what they're saying. You know, another are they few really? Years. Yeah, they're saying it because it's a that would passive be sad. gene. I would be sad. It's <laughs> yeah. the prediction as we keep you know, it,
1: it, you know, mingling, you know, commingling, yeah, intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, uh, so in the next section, he starts talking about um, human sexuality and he starts getting into this mysterious relationship between love and reproduction.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you like this section, you said. I did. I did. Well,
0: it's this intersection he talks about love and reproduction, right? And he goes into romantic love first. Um, that, that love in the human species recapitulates, elevates, and transcends love in the non human animals. We preserve the mother-offspring relationship and elevate it through thoughtful concern for the good. We also bring to the equation a centrality of sexual love, which is best imitated in other animals. The humans expect sexual love to be mutually desired, and that is not subject to a mating season. Mm. So, it's just starting there. Okay, so we can't first equate sexual love and, um, like, love. Like, there's something Mm -hmm. about sex between humans that is deeper than the animals, Like when two dogs are mating, it's because it's mating season and Mm -hmm. they're simply trying to preserve the offspring. But there's something about a man and a woman coming together, um, which is an expression of love at a much, much deeper level Um, and, and intimacy that there are times when a couple is not trying to have a child. Like two dogs are always trying to have a child, like the purpose of mating season. <laughs> yeah. She's in heat, <laughs> right? and he's trying to, she she's, wants to have offspring. And it's just a part of, it's just their inherent nature. Whereas for humans, like there's times when you're try, you're, not, you're not trying to have a child. You know, and even in Catholic, there's an ultra planning. There's these opportunities, and what he's saying is like, well, that's because love, sexual love is something much, much deeper than just the re- reproduction. You know, we can actually love another person and so in this realm, that means that, um, they, that man and woman can love each other for their own sakes, like for the sake mm. of the other. Like I can love you for the sake of the other. And, and that has to do with the sexual differentiation, mm. right? And someone would say, well, a man can love a man for the sake of the other, a woman can love a woman. And what, he, what he's going on to say, like, no, no, no. If we just look at it biologically, uh, and we'll get into this a whole lot in the next chapter. I don't want to ruin it all, but he talks about it. It's like man can be a gift of self to a woman; that she cannot rear a child, have a child in her womb by herself. She needs a man, mm-hmm. and uh, a man cannot have create a child on his own. He needs a woman. That there's something about the relationship which is simply in inherent to who we are, where I can be a gift of myself to produce another human when I'm a man mating with a woman in intercourse with a woman. And a woman can only can only do that with a man. Like a man-man relationship, a woman woman relationship can't do that. So there's something fundamental about a total gift of self where a man-man relationship isn't that same full gift of self for the sake of the other. A woman-woman relationship is not that same gift of self because there's something in the gift of self that's inherent to who we are. And just rationally, he's just talking about rationally to who we are, reasonable because the gift of myself can lead to another offspring. That's a full hmm. gift of self that I cannot do by myself or I can't do simply with a male-male or a female-female relationship.
1: Yeah, and and he talks about. Um, I thought this was really beautiful that the fact that we have the sexual difference, it's the only thing in us that it's like a power in us that we need another to complete. It's like we can breathe on our own, we can eat on our own. Sex is not that way, um, and that's that forms actually the basis for this romantic love. You're actually being completed in some yeah. way, and the and there's a mystery because you when you experience that romantic love, it's actually different than the way. The opposite sex is experiencing the same yeah. encounter, but there's something there that, and that's why that's that's why he's he, he you can't say like well a man and a man or a woman and a woman in homosexual love
0: well, and it goes back to his definitions. If a yeah. female
1: is a one who
0: can bear a child within herself, then to be female in that sense means the reception to, to of the of what the man what the the maleness the one who can produce an offspring outside of himself, and so. She, com- she's a woman is more complete use the word complete because of the love she has with the man
1: mm-hmm.
0: in sexual love.
1: Yeah. Which is in some ways I want to, I want to like, I guess, pause here for the audience. If, if all of this sounds like really obvious, it kind of is what we're doing in the philosophical treatment is kind of like he, he says this, he says, I'm just trying to draw your attention to things we've taken for granted, but are actually like very mysterious. It gets to the kind of the roots of reality.
0: Well, no, it, it is obvious, but we don't hear it in society. People are saying, no, a male can be a full gift of himself to another male. Mm-hmm. A woman can be a full gift of herself to another woman. And, and, and it's like, no, philosophically speaking. And I'm not talking as a priest. I'm not talking you know, about the Catholic Church. I'm simply talking about our rationality. Rationally speaking, to be a full gift of self is to give the gifts of your sexuality to another in the fact that a woman can only become woman in the fact that when she bears a child, full a female, I mean, Mm -hmm. not that she's not female, but it's what makes her female. Mm -hmm. And so there's this full gift of self that a man can give to a woman, a woman can give to a man, and that sexual relationship that cannot be given in any other sexual encounter. So if you're going to have a sexual encounter, which is not one that would lead to having progeny, then there's something divorced there. You know, some other sexual encounter that isn't, actually I, I wouldn't even use the word sex for those i know they do i'm just using the popular term they put it in
1: quotes in though quotes, yeah
0: but real the sexual
1: encounter that can produce a child because that's the encounter where the full kiss of self can occur and this is well we should probably make a note at the beginning of this podcast like if you have kids in the car oh yeah we'll, sorry we'll go add that <laughs> i need to edit that we got all fired up <laughs> um okay so where he goes next this was kind of interesting to me i um, he starts he talks about the family a little bit but then as as a young person develops he talks about the importance of sexual identity um, I I asked you this earlier and I, I liked what you said what does he mean and what is he getting at when he focuses on sexual identity so because we'll, and, and I guess I'll frame this a little bit better Um a conservative or a Christian might be a little bit wary of the term sexual identity because it's used to be like my, my, this is my identity. This is how, this is whatever I want to be. My sexual identity is not how I, how I was assigned at birth or whatnot. So he uses the term sexual identity and he talks about how important it is. Um, What's he getting at?
0: Uh, So, and I'm trying to find my, my quote here if I can, but um, what he's getting at first and foremost is that um, every there's this awareness that we have in sexual difference in every culture, every place, um, that the maleness in females in, in the body appearance and personal development, social behavior, like everyone has recognized this truth. And the truth is that um there is a um, I know that I'm a male and I know how to express it. There's something about being a male which is deeper than my eye color, deeper than my hair color, deeper than anything else about me, and there's a part of me that needs to express that maleness, and I and, and it's expressed in all these different ways: how I relate to others, how you know, just there's something about being a male which is it has its roots in the bi- biological realm, but it naturally extends from there into the realms of the psychological, rational, and expressive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, there's something about having like in my biology of maleness that I actually express in every other aspect of my life, how I think, how I act, how I express myself, all come from this identity as a male that is a part of who I am. And it changed my, why? Because, uh, getting back to it, my how I have progeny, um, if I was to have progeny, uh, is to giving of myself to another. Mm-hmm. And how women have, have progeny is by receiving the gift of another. And so there's something about the fact that I cannot bear a child within me, but I can be a gift to another, which completely changes who I am. And that's why there's all these differences, and we'll get into these next few chapters about what it means to be male, what is to be a female. All because my sexual identity, my maleness has expressed itself, that my biology expressed itself in all these other aspects of my life, the desire to protect, you know, the desire to serve,
1: et cetera, all come from the maleness that I have. And there's something in you that recognizes that or should. Yes. And we and we can kind of tell this is important because um if you don't recognize it or you're having trouble, and there are some people who have we can. We'll talk more about the psychological and the biological, like why they might have trouble recognizing it. But um, that doesn't lead to a very happy life. Like you kind of need to organize this. And and what I thought was really interesting was that you recognize it, but we sort of take for granted. But we communicate it. Yeah. And if a society doesn't know how to communicate it. Um, we sort of end up like a lot of futuristic, like dystopian sci-fi stuff. Everyone is sort of made this blank slate and the sexual difference matters less. And we sort of recognize that it'd be really bad if we never, if we didn't know how to express that to others too. We don't know how to, because it's primary to how we treat each other, whether yes. you are a man or a woman, um, marriage, and he, he calls, marriage, the, the kind of the strongest cultural, um, the most important cultural indicator yeah. or, way we treat sexuality. Um, so you've, you've, you've pointed this a few times. You, Father, you're a priest. You're talking about, if I had progeny, a man is one who is able to like, in the sexual act, create children. Um, you, you've taken a vow not to do that. <laughs> what is, um, does that make you less of a man? Right, good question. And uh, He's gonna talk about that.
0: And we're gonna talk about this next chapter of no. Like there's something about my maleness which whether or not I actualize the potentiality that I have, um, that potential still there, right? There's still the potential for me to be a gift of self to a woman and for her to be receptive of that and have a child. And that's a, a fundamental part of who I am. Now, um, that doesn't have to actualize itself. I don't actually have to have sex for that to be true. Mm. Um, and as a priest, obviously, there is a lot of um, – Actualization of my potentiality in different ways. The Eucharist being probably the most important of those. Um, but there's this fatherly role, which is a part of my maleness and a part of my you know desire to protect, etc. That comes from my maleness. It comes of my being a gift of self in the pre. That I am a gift of self in the priesthood. The priest is not his own. There's all these aspects that flow forth from my maleness that relate to who I am fundamentally and how I act and how I interact and why you know the priesthood is. You know, Jesus became a male. You know, there's something about that. His greatest creation was a female. Uh, The female is the one who received God. (laughs) That matters. It matters (laughs) because she had the ability to receive. God became a male because he was making a gift of self. He was coming to give of himself. There's something really important to that. And neither of them ever had sex. Um, And so Jesus was fully male and never actualized the potential. Mary was fully female and never actualized that potential. Well she did that uh, yes she did but um, <laughs> not through sexual intercourse um, but she fully actualized it in the fact that she gave birth to a child right um, so she might not be the best example, but, but the virgin martyrs, you know all these mm-hmm. these great virgin saints um, who, who have shown the ability to re- to be receptive in a different way. And they model saints. Like we can even look at the saints. I'm, I'm kind of moving ahead out of this chapter, but <laughs> look at like these beautiful saints. And why do we love St. Teresa of Lisieux? Well, because she models to us the beautiful receptivity to the heart of God versus like someone like St. Augustine who shows, the, or St. Thomas Aquinas who just show this great gift of self in a much different way, but still connected to
1: through who they are fundamentally as male and female in relationship to God. I love it. And if you want to, and if you go back to the definitions, you gotta. I think that it's important that we're because we're human. Our sexuality is not all of us. We have this rational, this ability to love, this ability to think that f- by thinking and in love, we can actually choose to use our sexuality a different way, and that can be a fulfillment of our masculinity or femininity. Um, just to take it all the way back to the definitions, I like. I'm I'm kind of a nerd that way. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's really beautiful. It's really important. So let's get into some of the uh, uh, s- some of the options. I think I think the way he phrases it is: Are men and women the only options?
0: <laughs> yes, uh, at the end of the day. And so here we go. And this is the the big you know controversy. In they want the the society tells us wants to say. Um, there's more than just male and female. I don't want to get into the biological aspect of it because we're going to talk about that next week about the those who are female yet have uh, uh, grow the the male, you know, sex organ uh, organism um, or the private parts, you know, uh, the or the, the the various kind of androgynous situations that happen medically. We're going to talk about those next chapter, but I do want to talk about because he brings up the transgender issue, mm. and. Um, that people want to say femaleness refers to the biological sex, but woman refers to gender. This was why he definitions from the very beginning. Um, and he says, well, if we go through that, and he has this beautiful like walking through it, like, okay, well, what could it mean if that's the case? And he walks through, like, what would it mean if we, if, if we changed this? Um, and, he, and he basically says um, that some cultural forms are intrinsically connected with one or the other biological sex. Accommodation of pregnant women, for example, or expectations of male service and sacrifice for the sake of women and children. Um, as we see, sexual identities, ad, ad, sexuality ad, I, itself bridges the biological and cultural realms. Intercourse, pregnancy, and parenthood are biological and social realities, differently expressed by men and women. Consequently, certain cultural forms are deeply integral to these realities and can't be divorced from the biological. So we can't divorce culturally what it means to be male, what it means to be female, from man and woman. Like there's something about – it's not just a biological thing we're talking about. It's a cultural thing. So you, want, you can't divorce these two. Um, and then he goes on um, that you can't actually change your sex. Like you'd have to change every single cell in your body because every single <laughs> cell in your body is actually related to who you are. So if it's, biologically it's impossible because every single cell in your body is telling you you're male or female culturally it's not possible because there's certain like aspects to even if we shifted our culture there's certain aspects to culture that are simply um understand understandably male understandably female mm-hmm. man and woman and we experience them differently if a man is in charge a woman's in charge we just experience that differently mm-hmm. and we know that and so it's not the same um as, and it's not that like one's better than the other, but they're different. And we have to just acknowledge that different. And two, it's not just my feeling. I feel a man. I feel when we talked about that earlier, like, well, it's not about your feelings. So it's not, a, it's not biologically and it's not your feelings. Like you, biologically it is, you are male, you are female. It's not your feelings, mm-hmm. you know, that determinants. And so we see the truth of the biology, your man or woman expressed culturally. So man and male and female and woman have to be connected both biologically
1: and culturally. That's right. Yeah. And, it, and I guess the, the trouble or where it gets hard is that, um, we, we, we either know people or we know of people that do feel so strongly that they are a man when, when they're biologically a woman, or they are a woman when they're biologically a man. Um, and we'll get into that in the psychological
0: like mm-hmm. what has led to that and, and how we can care for those. And obviously we a lot of a lot of mercy and sympathy. This is not a, well, you shouldn't do that. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, so no, sometimes you're a male and you just feel like a female or a female. You feel like a and there's a lot of factors that have led to that. Um, and and so we want to be really co- sensitive to that and minister to the heart. But we can't be sensitive. The sensitivity to that is not saying, well, it's okay. You're not really a man, you're a woman. You know, That's right. maybe you're male, but you're actually a woman. You know, to divide to separating biology from, um, these terms. And, and that's not sensitivity, that's lying. (laughs) You know, and we got to get the truth. And it's, it's no surprise. I mean, he talks about like, there's been no fault divorce. There's been gay marriage. there has been artificial conception. There's been abortion. Like, this is just a cultural, like transgender. It's just the next thing of a society that has totally turned on its head, what sex is and what male and female are, what man and woman are. And so, but, um, you can't imagine a society where all just androgynous, like, right. It doesn't work. Like society works because there's male and there's female. It's how we reproduce. That we go on. It's how biology. It's how nature works. So there's just this aspect to who we are. So that can't change. Um, and so just from the rational perspective, philosophical perspective, it's not going to change the fact that there is male, there is female. That woman has the ability to bear children, uh, hold a child in her womb. Man is able to be a gift of himself so that woman can bear a child. That's what male and female are. Male is man is male. Woman is female. That's where that's where we stand um and being sensitive to those who don't who have feelings that are different we want to um again be sensitive to that but having them get sex changes is not actually solving the problem. Yeah, And uh, and hopefully over these next, if you want to stick with us, please do over these next few chapters, we do want to get into that. And we do want your questions too. I know we've talked about that. Please info at becomefire.faith, send your questions in to give to Anthony so you, he can ask questions. And maybe if we go through to these chapters, if there are questions that come, we just have to do a, a whole question section at the end mm-hmm. to get through this because we do want to, as this is a real issue. And we're talking about it like black and white, because in some senses it is black and white. But in other senses, well, that doesn't get to the human aspect, the heart aspect. That there really are men and women who are struggling, and we do want to be pastorally sensitive to them in their struggles. But the pastorally sensitive thing to do is not to say, "Well, have a sex change," yeah, you know, and deny who, who deny your maleness or your femaleness by being a male who's a woman or a female who's a
1: man. Yeah, someone's feelings don't. He says, "I think your your feelings are no guarantee of truth." Yeah. So if they're not conforming with reality, it's not love to... Yeah, and we got to speak the truth in love. Yeah, acknowledge that. All right. Well, we are getting close to the end here. Um, last time I failed to have a question, so I came prepared. Oh, boy. So if you could go back in time, you're not allowed to go back to like post-apostolic age. Okay, so post-apostolic age. Okay. The beloved disciple has passed away. Okay. What time period would you go to? Oh, that's
0: an interesting question. What time period would I go to if I go back to any time?
1: Any place or in America?
0: (laughs) No, not not in America. Any place. Any place, (laughs) any time. I can go back. Um, I would probably want to go back to Francis. I'd want to meet St. Francis of Assisi. I'd go back to Assisi in the early 1200s and just see what it was like to be in the Franciscans in the early days, meet Anthony of Padua, meet those beautiful martyrs, just just see their initial fervor and zeal of, (laughs) of the Franciscan movement at the beginning.
1: I think you'd I think you'd fit in, Father. I think you would. I think you'd enjoy it. So I need to learn Italian. But I <laughs> all right, well that's perfect. I was hoping you'd say that because now I have a question for next time okay. too. Ooh, <laughs> all right, well thank you everyone. This is uh, this has been the Become Fire Podcast. Remember send your questions to info at becomefire.faith. If you want to get the book, it is called Sexual Identity: The Harmony of Philosophy, Science, and Revelation, by edited by John DeSilva Finley. Um, we'll see you next time. God Amen. bless. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable
1: organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith
0: slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.